right, Matthew chapter 10. Here we go again. Ren 10, 10. Let's do it again. Matthew 10, if you will. Uh, we're, we got down to about verse 16 last time. Um, because from verse 16 now down through the rest of this chapter, he's going to move uh, the viewpoint. <clears throat> and by the way, if I sneeze, I got my handkerchief, so do the best I can to catch it. Okay? <laughs> so in the viewpoint now from verse 16 down to the end of the chapter um, moves from the present day what they're going to be doing out now to the beyond the cross beyond pentecost out and towards the kingdom a lot of this becomes a uh, becomes the tribulation and second coming teaching and again Matthew 10 is the commission given by the Lord to the 12 apostles about what they're going to be doing and uh, the, the, this is the commission. What happens in theology is then they move over to the so-called Great Commission. And really, when they say that, they're really talking about Matthew 28 is what they're talking about. And they skip Matthew 10 completely. So they say the Great Commission is Matthew 28, Luke 16, I'm sorry, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, Acts 1. And when you really begin to understand Matthew 10, you see, you can then begin to see where Matthew chapter 28, Mark and Luke and John and Acts actually fit in here in, in an appendix manner of giving more detail. So Matthew 10, uh, <clears throat> again, up to verse 15, the commission is the beginning of the apostles' ministry. And now we're going to move towards the second coming, verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as, as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But be aware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in the same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Now, that is Acts 2. There's the Pentecostal uh, Acts 2. Um, that's when the Spirit of the Father comes on them there, at Pente the day of Pentecost and so forth. And the brother shall deliver, verse 21, up the brother to death, and the father the children, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth unto the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. You shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become, uh, come. And again, a reference to the second coming. That's what we're talking about. Enduring to the end. The end of what? The second coming. Now, we're going to go back up to verse 16. He says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. As you there, uh, be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. When he's going to, again, who are the sheep? That's the little flock, 
Who are the wolves? Well, that's those false apostles. If you look back in chapter 7, <coughs> chapter 7, verse 15, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothes, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You'll notice that the wolves here, uh, back in Matthew 10 now, if you look at verse 17, but beware of men. He, these, the, the ravenous wolves are men. It's not the devil. It's not Lucifer. It's not the great dragon himself. These are men. Now, they're on that course of policy of evil, the satanic policy of evil. They're doing his bidding, but it, this is men. Notice in verse 16, Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. <laughs> that, that's a great thing there. You know, you, you want to be wise as a serpent. They're in the midst of the wolves. They're going to be beaten up on. They're going to be, they're going to be persecuted. They're going to be attacked. So you've got to be, you got to be wise as a serpent. You've got to have that cunning about you. But you're going to be harmless as a dove when you deal with people. When they're dealing with the attack, you've got to have some cunningness, cunning about you. Paul tells us to be that we're not to be ignorant of the adversary's devices. We're to understand how he's going to attack. That's being wise as serpents. That's understanding the details. But yet, then again, when, he, when we go and deal with these people, we're to be as harmless as a dove. Verse 17, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils. Beware of the people. You see, the, the apostles here are going to be going out, um, out in the midst of wolves. <clears throat> so he tells them to, be, to beware of men, the people. So now he's going to tell them how they're going to be treated and how their ministry is going to be received. What are they going to do to you? They're going to deliver you up to who? Councils. Man, every time you read about a council in the Bible, it's bad. It's bad news. And it, these are religious councils, obviously, here, of, of the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the leaders. And when they get together, nothing good ever comes out of it. They're going to deliver you up to councils. They will scourge you in, in their synagogues. So the, they're going to take you, and they're going to beat you in the church building, the synagogues, the the, you know, where, where they're going to begin. They're going to come in and they're going to pull you. I mean, you think about Saul of Tarsus. What was he doing? He was going to the synagogues. <coughs> He's getting them out. Verse 18. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake. They're going to be, I mean, for a testimony against them, that's Israel, and the Gentiles. It's against them. Notice, it's not to them. It's against them. Against them and the Gentiles. Against them. They're not going to be a testimony to the leaders of Israel and the Gentiles. Why? They've rejected the Lord. He's, their he's the testimony. They've rejected him. Now they're going to reject his messengers. That's, again, they, they're, they're having the opportunity here, but they are refusing the opportunity. And what the Lord's telling them here, guys, if you go up there with the testimony for my sake, it's going to be a testimony against those people <clears throat> because you're there to offer them, give them one more offer here, and they've rejected it. 
And that's what, exactly what you find happening in the early Acts period. Verse 19. But when they deliver you up, take no thought of how or what ye shall speak. For it shall be given you in the, that same hour what ye shall speak. Boy, that's a, <coughs> that's, a, that's a verse everybody quotes when they stand up to preach. <coughs> the Lord's going to give me a word today. I don't know what the word is. And then they teach, and it's obvious they haven't studied at all. You know, <coughs> that's a, when I heard a guy one time say that. He goes, well, the Lord, I, I'm, I'm waiting for the word from the Lord. Well, maybe we ought to read a verse. So he, read, so he goes and reads Nothing came. He, he stood there for like 20 minutes. Finally, somebody said, maybe we ought to just say amen and go home. And he did. He prayed and went, everybody, we went home. I'm like, okay, you know. I was invited to go to this church by a guy I had been talking to to come to his church. And I was like, okay. And he's like, well, that usually doesn't happen like that. I'm like, I kind of like your church, and we're not there all day, you know. But that's what people that's what people use. They use this verse. Come over verse twenty, for it is not that ye uh, it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. Come over to Acts, <coughs> Acts chapter two. And notice how this passage here gets fulfilled. By the way, if you gotta stand up and preach today, you better do some studying and have something to say. You know, you're just not gonna get up and the Lord wisp, you know, boom, move you. Um, there, there's a wonderful thing in prep and delivery. It's called uh, the overflow department. You've got a, this overflow. So you're studying, and sometimes you'll see me, I like papers or my notebooks, spiral notebooks. See, I study in the spiral notebooks. And then out of the spirals, I trim it all down to what I'm going to teach here because to teach all of the spiral would be here for two or three hours each service, each message. My, my uh, Romans, uh, I have my GSB notes, but then I have my own personal study. <laughs> and, then I'm watch and then I listen to a couple other guys over here on the side on topics when I see that they've covered. And I go, so you take all that information and you put it down on paper to teach, but where is all that information anyway? It's inside of you. So if you ever hear me say, by the way, that's some overthrow, overflow info. That it's just sitting there, and we don't have time to go run all the verses, but just throw it out there so you can at least hear it. Why? It, that, this, what we're talking about here in Matthew 10, Acts 2, doesn't work today. You've got to get in a book and study it. Look at Acts 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting <clears throat> excuse me and, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon them and there and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance the Spirit of God the Spirit of the Father is coming he's giving them the words they speak they had a spiritual phenomena here and the words begun to come out of their mouths, and these were the words that the Spirit of God gave them to speak. Okay? If you follow your nose down, your, your line down, Peter is going to stand in verse 14. 
<clears throat> but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Jerusalem, <clears throat> you men of Judea, and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken, as ye supposed, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. When he, sat, when he gets up and quotes that, he's not looking at a Bible and notes. Who's, who's given him the word? The Spirit is. How, you know, if, if you look back there in chapter 1 at verse 16, Men and brethren, the scriptures must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning them that took Jesus. You see, that, and then he quotes Psalms 41 verse 9. You see, come back to Matthew 10. <coughs> the fulfillment of Matthew 10, <coughs> excuse me, is over there in Acts 2. And that's the reversal of the curse of the confounding of the languages. He reversed it in Acts 2. Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel, the confounding of the languages. Now, that little flock, that believing remnant can speak to anybody out there because they have the ability to speak in tongues. But who gave them that tongue? The Spirit does. Verse 20, For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father, the children, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And again, a tre tremendous division that's happening here. <clears throat> to the point where family is going to turn against family. They're going to rise up against each other. They're going to put each other to death. So we're, we're moving now into that tribulation period of time. I think about this passage. I think about uh, Rahab, the seller of, of the, well, Rahab the harlot is usually the title. And those two spies come and she, she engages the Abrahamic covenant. I'm going to bless you, now you bless me. And he, she said, everybody under my household that's on my roof when you guys attack will be saved. And everybody's there but her sisters in the list. Because when she's talking to the two guys, she lists her brother, her mother, her sisters, all that. But then when Jericho is torn down, her sisters aren't in the list. Isn't that I find that fascinating. You know, the sisters didn't want to go down to that harlot's house. We ain't going to go down. I ain't going to be seen down there by nobody. You don't see me walking into that house. There ain't no way. And pulled the old fuddy-duddy-duddy. Well, it cost them their life. You know, What's happening here? Hey, there's going to be a time in Israel's day, in the 70th week of Daniel out there, where it's going to be family members against family members. Now we come to verse 22. Uh, <clears throat> by the way, and cause them to be put to death. There's a whole study we did on understanding Israel. We did it in the Revelation study where... In that middle, in the midst of that 70th week, they're going to get turned over the, to the Antichrist. And he's going to look at them and, and they're going to throw them in jail and beat on them for about 10 days, put them in a court. And if they don't recount, they're going to be headed. They're going to lose their head. And when that happens, who turned them in? The family did. The neighbors did. People who know, you know, hey, 
Why aren't you towing? Where's your mark? The guy goes, I don't get a mark. You know, <laughs> then get that, you end up in hell. Oh, hey, here he is, boys, right here. No mark. You know, and off they go. Now you come to verse 22 <clears throat> and 23. And these are really the key verses to, the, to this part of the chapter. Because, again, looking out to the future. And, he, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become come. Now, obviously, we're talking about the second coming, and that's what's in view. And, and again, we're talking about events now that are going to happen in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in the Acts period, and the ministry that's there, everything that is happening, that's going to be happening up to Acts chapter 7, is, is right on the prophetic clock. It's ticking, okay? And for sake of time, we go back there to, to Daniel 9, and you get a timeline. And in Daniel 9, you get a timeline. Go run seven years, then there's going to be a break. Go run 62 more years. So you got 69 weeks, and at the end of that 69th week is the cutting off of the Messiah, which <clears throat> is the issue of the, of the cross, according to Isaiah 53. The Lord Jesus Christ backed that thing up a few years. He shows up. John the Baptist shows up. So you've got all the timing going on. So the events that are going to happen now, out through the coming back, of, if you will, the 70th week, okay? This is the Acts period. The Revelation where they signed the covenant with the Antichrist starts the 70th week. There's a middle point, three and a half years on one side, three and a half in the other, 12, 60. 12, 60, what is it, 40 months? 40, 42 months, thank you. 42, 42. You got some events that are going to happen here that are overlapping. Then after that, you're going to have about a 75-day period, and then you're going to have the establishment of the kingdom. Okay. According to Daniel, this stuff starts, it runs quite a bit. After the 1,000 years are up, you've got one more throne, uh, Judgment, and then you got the great white throne judgment, and everybody's cast out into to the lake of fire, and then you go into the new heaven and earth. Okay, now it's real quick. We're over here. By the way, do you see us on there, the Church of Body of Christ? So none of this is about you and I. And when people use this stuff and say this is about the Church, the Body of Christ today. You just stick your tongue out at them because they don't know what they're talking about. Now, this comes out of Daniel chapter number 9, verse 25, 24, 25, 26, right in there. And what it does is it lays out a timeline. Okay? And when you lay out this timeline, come over with me to Luke 13. Luke chapter 13. <clears throat> and this is one of those by the way moments here. Luke 13. You see, folks, the prof we are talking about the second coming already here as in Matthew 10. And the, 
that the second coming of Christ could have taken place at any time on the timeline. Okay? After the cross. But Luke 13, the Lord does something here. Luke 13, you start in verse 6. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Now, the vineyard, okay, the vine, that's the nation of Israel. The fig tree, remember what the fig tree represents in Israel. I'm having to look for my note. Hang on a minute. Because it just slipped out of my mind. The fig tree is the religious life of Israel. Yes. Okay? The religious life of Israel. The fig tree. The vine is the nation. The national life. The vine. National life. I have to look at my note because Schofield flips these. All the old timers flip these around. The fig tree is the religious life. They're not, okay? The olive tree is the access to God. Okay? And the bramble, well, that's apostasy. The apostates. Boy, this chalk ain't doing me any good right now. Okay? Luke 13, 9. Luke 13, verse number 7. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, <clears throat> A certain man, who would that be? Who would the certain man be? The Lord Jesus Christ. The dresser of the vineyard is the Father. So the Lord is talking to the Father about Israel. Behold these three, how many years? Three years I come. Seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. How long was the earthly ministry? Earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. About three years, three and a half years, because it takes a little time to kill him. But they eventually get him. Cut it down, why cumbereth it to the ground? And he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year, also till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well... And if not, then after that shall, shall you do what with it? So the year is Acts 1 to 7. It's a year, right on. So in Acts 1 to 7, you have, an ex, you have a little bit of information that Daniel 9 knows nothing about. See, Daniel's looking across here. This is the, the go, going forth to the commandment. I'm sorry, the, the commandment to uh, rebuild the city. Rebuild time, Nehemiah 2. He's looking across this. So literally in Daniel, you have the 70th week backed up to here. If you think about it. Literally, Daniel has the beginning backed up right on that cross, right after the cross. So the second coming could have come at any time, except what did the Lord do? Give me a little opportunity of a year. Come back to Matthew. I just need one more. I just need a year, Lord. I just, Father, I just need a year with them. We're going to give them a renewed opportunity. And in that time, 12 disciples, Matthew 10, okay, 
in that time, this is what the ministry is going to look like for you guys. They're going to hate you. <clears throat> they're going to come along and they're going to persecute you. You won't need to worry about to you know, studying. You're going to be running for your life. You ain't going to have time to study. So the Holy Spirit's going to give you the word and all, and, and, and off you go. We understand today, in the age of grace, because of right division, that they haven't done verse 22 and 25 yet, 23 yet. We understand verse 21 hasn't happened yet, because we interrupted when that is going to happen. You follow that? Okay. So the Lord doesn't... The, mystery interruption is a secret he, he, he's not telling them nothing about that okay now again you and I we understand today that this ministry and testimony is yet unfulfilled okay now what will happen is is people use this passage to say see the Lord made a mistake Because he says there in verse 23, Ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. <clears throat> and they say, see, he, he, he stated a fact there, but that hadn't happened yet. And there ain't none of these people around anymore, so he made a mistake. Well, there's a... There's a there's an implied condition in this. We always do that. Why didn't the Son of Man come? Why wasn't the kingdom established on earth a long time ago? Well, why not? Well, we understand why. What did God do? He interrupted it. He said, well, I won't draw on that because i got to do some more on there. He interrupted it and said, stoop dispensation of grace time so he wasn't wrong he made a statement of fact he interrupts that prophetic program introduces the dispensation of grace he's delayed fulfilling out those purpose in Israel and so forth and he'll get back to it okay there are four passages in the book of Matthew where people say the Lord makes a statement of fact and he's wrong he makes a mistake. This is, the, this is one of them. Come over to chapter 16 of Matthew. And each one of these is understood because we understand the issue of right division. And dispensational Bible study. Matthew 16, verse 27. Here's the second one. <coughs> 27 and 28. For the Son of Man shall come in the, in the glory of his Father, with his angels, and then he shall receive, oh, excuse me, he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they, till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Well, wait a minute. Is there any of those people still standing around there today? No, they're dead. They're gone. Well, 
then this passage is unfulfilled, isn't it? Well, is what Christ said true? Did he make a mistake? You see that word till? That's the timing word. Catch them all the time. By the way, we understand from 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2 Peter chapter 1 that in verse chapter 17 and verse 1, Peter, James, and John are caught up, and what are they eyewitnesses of? His majesty. And they see him in his kingdom glory. But why didn't he come back? God interrupted the program. See. We understand the promoted program has been interrupted. Notice the till. Come on over to chapter 23. Here's the other, here's number three. Matthew 23. <clears throat> I just point these out to you just so you see them because people do use them from time to time on you when you're trying to talk to them about, the, well, he, he, he said some things that didn't happen. Well, there's a reason why. Matthew 23, look at verse 39. 23, 39. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, Till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Chapter 20, that's number 3. Here's the fourth one. Chapter 24. And, uh, <clears throat> well, we'll start in verse 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree, when his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves. Ye know that the summer is nigh. Uh, so likewise, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Uh-oh, there it is. This generation, the generation that's going to see the fig tree do what? Bud. But keep reading. Till all these things be fulfilled, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. He's telling them that this generation that sees the fig tree bud shall not pass away, but these things weren't fulfilled yet. Again, in the passage, the generation is understood to be one that sees that fig tree bud. It could not have been the generation standing there because that hasn't happened yet. Again, we understand that because of the issue of right division. But people use these passages, come back there to Matthew 10, to prove that Christ made a mistake. <clears throat> the first one is Matthew 10, verse um, 23. Ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come in. So, that word till... It has a condition on on the assumption that the prophetic program would go on. They're not looking for an interruption. They're looking for it to continue to roll. Okay? And when it was interrupted, well, it wasn't fulfilled, so guess what? It, that condition is put on hold. 
you, there's a condition that, again, they are assuming that things are just going to keep ticking. They have no clue about an interruption to this. They just think it's going to keep coming. They don't even have a clue about this period yet because we're not to Luke 13 timing-wise yet. They, they're looking at Daniel 9, and it's just continuing right on out. Yes, sir. That's Acts 2. Yeah, they're not aware. They haven't had their understanding opened yet, which happens after the cross, Luke 24. See, the Lord, I mean, the disciples, the, the, the apostles in the moment, they're just sitting there going, they got their mouths open going, oh, they just got hit by a ton of bricks here. Because what's he telling them? Hey, guys, look, first 15 verses, this is what you're going to go do. And then I'm going to leave and die and go away. And then this is what you're going to get into. And they're, they're going to kill you, man. There's nothing in this about, hey, you got to endure. He does, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. That's the, you gotta, you're going to have to make it down there to the end. And the question then is, the end of what? Well, come over to chapter 24. See, that would be the question. The end of what, Lord? <laughs> Matthew 24 and verse 13. Matthew 24, 13. I'm not trying to belabor the point but at the same time I want you to catch what's going on here Matthew 24 verse 13 but he that endure but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved well obviously it's not the end of life so then what's he talking about verse 15 when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place Whosoever readeth, let him understand. Prophetically, that verse 15, there's some things that are going to happen in the midst of the week. Daniel doesn't call them middle. He calls them in the midst. There's literally a 30-day period that bounces on both sides of that middle line there where things are going to be happening and done. So prophetically, they're talking about the midst of the tribulation. So when he talks about enduring to the end, to the end of what? The tribulation. And again, over and over again, all through the Old Testament, you start in Daniel. Daniel's full of it. Daniel 7, Daniel 8, Daniel 11, Daniel 12, Daniel 9. All over and over and over. The end, the end, the end. It's, a, it's clearly second coming references. The tribulation. And that's what we're talking about. Come on over to Hebrews chapter 3. Notice it here in Hebrews. Hebrews belongs to the Hebrews. And again, it is full of the end <laughs> and the tribulation. Hebrews 3, look at verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house. Notice it's not a body. Notice it's a what? It's a house. Hebrews 3, 6. Whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoice of the hope firm unto the end. The book of Hebrews is a tribulation epistle. Drop down to verse 14. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the 
end. The beginning of their confidence. That's verse 1, 3, 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, considering the apostle and high priest of our profession, who? Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is their apostle. They're called holy brethren. They're separated. They're holy. They're a righteous nation. They're partaker of a heavenly calling. That's why over in chapter 11, Abraham's looking at a heavenly city, a heavenly Jerusalem, a heavenly calling. But what are they looking for that kingdom and all that to do? Come down to the earth. Peter talks about a hope that's reserved for you in heaven. Reserved in heaven for you, I believe the verse says it. Come back to chapter 2 of Hebrews. So they're looking at something that's out there in the future. Chapter 2, verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Oh, man, I've heard this one butchered up. Oh, the great salvation. Whoa, here we go. Which at the first began to be spoken of by who? By the Lord. Uh-oh. What, what salvation then are we talking about? Well, what salvation was spoken of by the Lord? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what we're talking about, the gospel of the kingdom. And was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. There's the Acts period. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts. Verse 5, For unto the angels hath he put not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. The writer of the book of Hebrews is dealing with the kingdom and the kingdom salvation out there. So he talks about enduring and having confidence and steadfast to the end. The end of what? The tribulation. Okay? Now come back to Matthew 10. So in Matthew here, <clears throat> the reason I'm kind of spending some time here on these verses is because the rest of the chapter is all second coming and tribulation and what's coming their way. And again, chapter 10, verse 22, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Please remember, and we did this when we studied Israel and we, we spent some about 14 weeks looking at Israel's salvation and justification. And we spent some time doing that. Please remember that the issue is a national salvation. It's a national endurance. It's a national kingdom. Okay? It's about the nation as a whole. Now, individual salvation, personal justification before God has always been and will always be on the basis of faith. That's not what he's talking about here. When you study, when you study the pat, when we get over in Romans 3 and we go down through Romans 3, it's always faith. Faith in the word of God to you in that moment. When God told Noah to build an ark and Noah went out and built the ark, it was his personal faith in the word of God to him to build the ark. That's the message to Noah. Noah is out. He's a preacher of righteousness. What righteousness was he preaching? There's judgment coming, and the only way to get through the judgment is going to be in that ark over there that you guys are laughing at me about building. You've got to remember the little 
movie with what's his name in it from The Office. Okay, not 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 Noah. No, the uh, the uh, the funny one. Uh, what man? What was that guy's name? Uh, it wasn't God Almighty. It wasn't Bruce Almighty. It was one of those. Anyway, doesn't matter. Again, too much in the brain. Okay. Again, it, the package, individual participate. I got that. But God's always dealt with Israel collectively. He's always dealt with them on a national basis. And the nation had to manifest that salvation in a certain lifestyle. And it was a physical nation with a physical establishment. So it takes a physical preparation. It's physical, literal, visible, feel it, touch it. That's why they have works to do. So you can see it, touch it, feel it, grab on to it. Because that's what it is. So if you remember... With Israel, the issue is nation. He's nation building here. Individuals make it up. By the way, the believing remnant, that nation, if you're not a little flock, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But what was that believing remnant made up of? Publicans and sinners. But people who took by faith in what the word of God said that God was doing, they went over and participated in John's baptism, justifying God. God's word's right, so we're going to do this. They were Bible believers. They, the people. But what did they make up? They made up that believing nation, the true Israel of God. Exactly. All right. 10.23. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become in. Again, notice the till. Now, you'll notice he says if they won't have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man come. Um, that's, flip back to Acts 1. This will help you with Acts 1, verse 8. Acts 1, verse 8. Okay? Acts 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. The 12 tribes, the landmass of the nation of Israel. Judah is the southern tribe, okay? Israel, Samaria, is the northern kingdom, the 10 tribes to the north. And what he's telling these guys is that you won't go over those cities in Israel before Christ comes back. Now come over to Matthew 28. Okay, you're not going to get over all the cities of Israel before I come back. And when I come back, then you're going to go out into the, in the kingdom. And then, then from there, guess where you're going to go? Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Okay, what everybody calls the Great Commission. Right? So when... When Christ comes back and sets up his kingdom, then the Father is going to give him the heathen for his inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for his possession, Psalms 2. Okay. Then when I look at Acts 1.8 and I look at 10.23, you, you begin to get some help there. Matthew 28, 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them. All the who? The nations. Numbers 23, verse number 9, Israel is not numbered among the nations. So that means Israel's right where she's supposed to be. And then she's going to turn in the kingdom, and then they're going to go out in a ministry to all all the nations. Okay? Christ says to the disciples, you're not going to get done with all that until I come back, before I come back. Because when I come back, guess what's going to happen? Then you're going to go out. By the way, if you look at verse 20 there, he says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, that's the law, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Christ possesses all the power in heaven and earth. He's going to be with them when this commission is in operation, and off they go. Now, what happens is, when you come back to Matthew 10, chapter, 10, he just told them something up in verse 5 that now you kind of have a little bit of a huh with Acts 1. He told them in 10.5, he commanded them not to go in the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, what? Enter ye not. So there's now you got to figure out, okay, there's got to be a balance here. How do we balance this out? Because in 23, he says, you will not have gone over the cities of Israel, that's all of them, till, I, till, till the Son of Man. You're not going to get everybody covered till I get back. Then in Acts 1, verse 8, you're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea first, then Jerusalem, then the Samaritans. So, what, so now you've got to remember something here, don't you? You've got to remember your Old Testament. In 1 Kings chapter 12, run back there with me. You have to remember what happened back here. 1 Kings chapter 12. Whoa. 1 Kings chapter 12. The Samaritans needed to understand why the exclusion was made in 10.5. And we need to remember that. They They were excluded. During the earthly ministry of Christ, the Samaritans were excluded from the ministry of the Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, the 12 apostles, who were to just go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And there's a reason why. Because of who the Samaritans were. 1 Kings uh, 12, you have this division between Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Solomon has died. So they come in. If you look down, oh, I thought I wrote it down. It doesn't matter. If you come down, you'll see verse 25. Then Jeroboam built Shechem and Mount Ephraim. By the way, Ephraim is another name for the ten northern tribes, Israel. Okay? Solomon dies. I'll just give you the short story. Okay? Solomon dies. Jeroboam and Rehoboam ripped the kingdom in half. Ten tribes to the north, two to the south. Judah and Benjamin were in the south. All the other ten were up north. 
Jeroboam knew that three times a year, Deuteronomy 16, 16, three times a year, they had to go to Jerusalem and for the festival. So Jeroboam knew, you're in 1 Kings, right? Look in chapter 13, 13. Jeroboam knew that if, if the believers went to Jerusalem three times, they would eventually figure out that they didn't need to go back home and they would stay down in the south and he would lose people. So, Jeroboam set up an alternative religious system. And in Dan and in Bethel, so the northern tier of his kingdom and the southern tier, he set up everything that was going on in Jerusalem, he set there. So now he could just say, hey, just go to the church that's closest to you. You don't need to go to Jerusalem. You can just go down to the corner church on the corner, and you're okay. Okay? He set up a counterfeit, mosaic-type system in the northern kingdom. But what he established was Baal worship. That's what he established. And when he did that, what, 1332. Notice what it says here about those cities of Samaria. For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. After this thing Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again in the, uh, of the lowest of the people priests of the highest places. Whoever would, he consecrated him, and he became one of the priests of the high place. Notice how he took the poor people and made them rich little socioeconomic conversion there. Verse 34, And this thing became sin under the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and to destroy it from off the face of the earth. What happened? Well, they came in, and the idea here is that those cities of Samaria were wholly given unto what? Idolatry. So the Lord, God, cut them off. And he sent to the northern kingdom, he sent prophets to warn them, but they continued in their idolatry. Finally, Sennacherib, the Assyrian, came down and took them. And in short order, they became just a part of the Assyrian Empire. And basically, they became Gentiles. And that's where, by the way, we get that title, Galilee of the Gentiles. We've looked at that. Okay, now come back over to John 4. So in the earthly ministry, John 4, you have the Lord tell the 12, you don't go to Samaria. You know what Samaria's problem, Jeroboam's problem was, was that he didn't give the authority and the recognition, the respect of God's city, Jerusalem. That's what he did. He didn't obey the word of God that said three times a year you come down here to Jerusalem. Now, by the way, you look in Chronicles, when he talks about all that, and all of the believers had already begun to move out of the northern tribes down into Judah. So literally in Judah, all 12 tribes are represented there. Okay, So there are no lost tribes. There, there are no British tribes, British Israelites. That was a big thing back in the 70s and the 80s. Why? Because the believers had left that up there. They're not going to sit in that. They had migrated down and had joined in 
in their tribe in, in the proper place, okay? John 4. In John 4, you have Jesus talking to a woman of Samaria. John 4, verse 20. John 4, 20. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in the Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, <clears throat> I love that woman, <laughs> believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. The issue is that down there is where salvation is going to be. John 4, 20, 21, 22. Okay? They are to go to Judea. They are to go to Jerusalem. So salvation was of the Jews, and it was in Judah and Jerusalem. And that was the issue that the Lord's raising with her there. The Samaritans were excluded because they failed to give that recognition. What did she just say? We've been worshiping in this mountain forever. And he's like, no, no, no. And she's arguing with him. You say in Jerusalem is the place we're supposed to be, but Dad, Dad said we do it here. See, got a problem. So they're excluded. Acts 1.8, where are they going to go? They're going to be in Jerusalem. They go to Judea, Jerusalem, and then Samaria. So when you get on the other side of the cross, which is where Acts 1.8 is, the apostles' ministry is expanded. Before the cross, it's limited. Now it's expanded. It's limited. Come over to John 10. Okay, they are no longer are they, it, they are now offering that kingdom beyond Judea. No longer are they just gathering together the governmental authority in the kingdom nation, but now they're offering the kingdom is made, it's, it's expanding out. Samaria is now included in the ministry. But they have to start where first? Judah and Jerusalem. They start in the where they belong, and then they move out. Now, look at John 10. And when we went through John, we spent some time here in verse 15 because of what verse 16 says, because this passage gets abused as well. John 10, verse 15. As the Father knoweth me, even so now I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, they also, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Do you see that thing about, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold? Generally said to refer to Gentiles. That's usually how that passage is used. However, again, if you study your Bible out, <laughs> the Gentiles are never referred to as sheep. Okay, until the when? Until Matthew 25, we're in the kingdom and he separates out the, the, you know, the goats and the sheep. Okay, but that's down the road. Here, who's he talking about? Well, what other fold does he have? There's other sheep which are not of this fold. 
So then who else, are, who, what, what, what's he referring to here? Well, come over to, come back to Ezekiel 37. <coughs> Ezekiel 37. This will help. Ezekiel 37. You see, when he, he's referring to the divided kingdom, Ezekiel 37, you start with the valley of dry bones, them bones, them dry bones. Come down to verse 15. 37, 15. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick and write upon it for Judah and for the children of Israel his companions. Then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel his companions. So how many sticks do we got? Two sticks. By the way, none of these are Gentiles. The Mormons say this is all Gentiles. It's not Gentiles. It's who? It's Judah. It's Israel. Right? Verse 17. And join them one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand. One stick for Judah. One stick for Ephraim. Israel. He puts them together. Now he has how many sticks? One stick. One fold. One shepherd. Verse 18. And when the children of thy people shall speak unto thee, saying, Wilt thou now show us what thou meanest by these? Say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, in the end of verse 19, They shall be one in mine hand, and the sticks whereon, on, verse 20, thou writest, shall be in thy hand before their eyes. Drop down to verse 24. And David, my servant, shall be king over them. And they all shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my statutes and observe my statutes. I'm sorry, walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. Do you see that? And David shall be king. He's going to, be, he's going to resurrect David, put him back king over that nation. There's going to be one shepherd, one fold, one king. Other sheep... I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. What's he doing? What's he, hey, in that expand, come back to Matthew 10. In that expanded ministry, what are they doing out there? We're going to go get them all, aren't we? We have to. We got to get them together. Okay? So when he says here, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. He's looking at that ministry in Acts 1. He's like, look, guys, you're, you're going to go up there. You're going to be doing your job. And you know what? I'm going to come back before you get all these cities covered, including Samaria. Now, just think about this. If, if Judah had gotten it right, they would have gone to Samaria too, but they didn't. Judah didn't. Jerusalem never gets it. Judah never gets it. The nation that was there in the land, had they received it, they would have gone on to Samaria, but they didn't get it. Now you see in Acts 8, you see the Gentiles with Phil, in the picture of Philip and the Ethiopian. The Gentiles are ready to receive the light. Then Philip it goes over and deals with the Samaritan. The Samaritans are ready. The problem is, is there's nobody in Jerusalem anymore ready. The, that Ethiopian goes to Jerusalem looking for light, the verse says, his testimony is. 
He got to Jerusalem and found nobody. No light. Matthew 10. You guys good? <clears throat> okay, because I'm just, I'm just warming up. <laughs> Verse 24. That's what's going on here. That's, by the way, that's why Samaria is left out in this commission, but added in the Acts 1, because we're on the limited side. We're just dealing with the lost sheep of Israel. Now we're going to expand it to everybody else. But by the way, you won't get them all until I, I'll be back before you get them all. So then we have to do it in the kingdom, Matthew 28. Okay? All right, Matthew 10, verse 24. The disciple... Um, is the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he, that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. It's not enough, <clears throat> verse 25, it is not enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. You're not going to demand better treatment than what your Lord got. And how did they treat him? They rejected him, they hated him, they killed him. Verse 25, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? By the way, they did call him Beelzebub back in chapter 9 and verse uh, 34. The Pharisees did their... 934, but the Pharisees said he casts out devils through the prince of the devils, and that's Beelzebub, his household. You know what he's saying? You guys are going to have it tough, man. Tough times are coming. When we get over here on the other side of Calvary and we're talking about judgment, we're talking about tribulation and second coming, it is not going to be a picnic. You guys need to be ready. Verse 26, fear them not, fear them not therefore. For there is nothing covered that shall be revealed and hid that shall not be known. Again, from here on in the chapter, he's going to give them some encouragement for the tremendous persecution that's going to come their way by the apostate nation, but also by the Gentiles as they begin to persecute them. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. There's, there, there's nothing that God is going to do that he hasn't already made known to his people. If you flip back with me to Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy 29, 29. 29, 29. It's a passage we all are very familiar with, even though if you don't realize it's in Deuteronomy. <laughs> Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. It's all revealed. That's why he'll say, hey, the, when you see the desolation things happen to Daniel, let him that understand read. Let him that read it, understand it, read. You're going to have it. Chapter 10, Matthew 10, verse 27. What I tell you in the darkness, that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. 
There's going to be a there was a time there's a time in the earthly ministry of Christ where he tells them, "Don't go tell anybody about this." Then there's going to be a time when he says, "You're going to shout it from the housetops." There's a time right now you don't say nothing to nobody, and there's a time over there you better be you're going to be preaching it loud and proud. Right now, actually in nine in Matthew nine verse thirty, he told that lame guy. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. <laughs> he made that blind man see. He said, Don't you tell nobody. Now, he went and told everybody. Don't tell nobody. You better go and be telling everybody now. Be that witness. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell them because they're rejecting me. It's a nail in their coffin of their rejection. And the other, now you're going to go and tell them because what do they have? They got, they, now they have the account. Over there in the, in the Hebrew epistles, he's like, remember the patience of Job? Well, how would they remember the patience of Job unless they had what? The book of Job. How are they reading Daniel? They got Daniel, how, you see. So they have the book. At, the, at this point, they have the book. Here they don't. It's being written still. So don't go, don't tell nobody. Now we're going to preach it loud and proud. Verse 20, uh, 28. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. <laughs> Basically, don't, <laughs> don't fear man. You better fear God. Don't fear man. God is the only one that's able to destroy both soul and body in, the hell, in hell. The man can kill the body, but he's not able to kill the soul. So clearly, the body and the soul are not the same thing. They're different. But uh, there are people that don't believe that. Verse 29. Are two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I scratch my head at those two. What in the world does that have to do with anything? Except that the birds out there get attention, but you guys have special individual attention that comes down to the very numbering of the hairs on your head. You know, then I think about guys like Phil and me. we got no hair. Brute, you know. We got, but we did at one point have hair, <laughs> okay? You know? You're numbering your hair is easy, zero, <laughs> you know. My brother, he, my middle brother, he's bald-headed too, and I ask him, how often do you shave it? He goes, every day to keep the hair off of it, you know. It's like, okay. I, I look at that, and, you know, well, what in the world is a farthing? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a penny or, one, or a cent, you know, one cent. <laughs> so, you know, it's a little bit. Basically, yeah, the, you, yeah, you guys are going to see everything out there being paid attention to, but you guys, but the Father's paying attention to you guys, okay? Verse 30, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more value than many sparrows. And that's the thing. You guys are valuable. Fear ye not, therefore... I'm sorry, verse 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. 
But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Again, that's that issue. Uh, come over to chapter 16. Chapter 16. Parallel verse here. Chapter 16. Verse 27, we read it a minute ago. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his work. When he comes in, his glo in the glory, and he all, when he comes and he sets up the kingdom, you know what he's going to say? He goes, I will confess you. I'm going to reward you according to your works. That's what he's talking about. And the reward there is the government, the governing, okay? It's not like they get a special niche or, uh, you know, you know, they, uh, another star by their name. It's the issue of the governing. He's going to tell the disciples, you guys think about governing like the Gentiles do, but in mine it's being a servant. It's service, okay? Um, if you come back to Matthew 10, this passage gets abused again as a proof text for uh, salvation today, confessing him, he'll confess you and all that stuff. And this is a second coming passage. And it's in regard to them getting into the kingdom over here and having a confession made of them in the kingdom. Okay? Verse 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. That, that ought to be a great Christmas card verse right there. Peace on earth and goodwill to men. He didn't put that verse on a... I, I'm waiting to see that verse. I... Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I come not to send peace but a sword. Oh, give them the real stuff, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm not feeling good. Don't think this. <coughs> don't. <laughs> you see, folks, he understood what was going on as a result of his coming over here. Okay? But he also understands what the result of that coming is as well. And he's preparing them. He's getting them ready. Troubles come. You, he is he come to make a division. Verse 35. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He came to make a division in that nation. He came to call out the believing remnant and to separate the believers from the unbelievers. That's what these verses are about. And a man's foes, verse 36, shall be, thy of the, uh, shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. And lose his life for my sake shall find it. These, those were, these are the worthy people here. By the way, if you run back up to verse in chapter 10, if you run back up there to verse 11, okay, where he says, And, and, and whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire in it, it uh, inquire who in it is worthy. Here are the worthy people. They're going to deny family and all that, and they're going to be on my side. They're going to lose their life for Christ's sake. They're, verse 37 there. 
more that is not worthy of me. These are, who, what are the worthy people going to do? Do what the book tells them to do. So, following the word, they're worthy. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake, not for stupidity's sake, but for my sake, not for religious sake, but for Christ's sake. Now, verse 39 is not human viewpoint. This is divine viewpoint. Okay? When he says, he that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it, that is that verse that we've already read, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's going to be the case in the tribulation. They're going to see their family members thriving, having the cupboards full, having the table full, taking the mark of the beast and doing, and them not, and having nothing. The man that finds his life is going to do what? Lose it. And you over here that are losing your life for my sake, you're going to receive that reward over there. You're going to get it all back 100,000 times better. See what's happening? Guys, it's going to be rough. But here's some encouragement for you. Stay the course. Fight the good fight. Finish the course, what I said before you. And you'll have a reward beyond ever can imagine. Verse 40. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And who shall give to a drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple? Verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. <clears throat> he that receiveth me receiveth... <clears throat> I had to swallow, sorry. <laughs> he, that, he that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. In this passage, he is, it, it tells how they're identified as representing the Lord Jesus Christ. If you do it to one of these disciples, you're doing it to who? To him, to Christ. And in Matthew 25, when he separates out the nations, and they said, when did we do all this for it to you? And he said, as much as you've done it unto the one of the least of my brethren, you did it unto me. That's what he's doing here. These folks are in Christ completely, all the way, just like you and I are in Christ. They're in Christ. And to... Go and to do to them what the Abrahamic covenant said for them to be done and so forth was to do it to him. So if, they're, if they bless them, what are they going to get back? Blessings. But if they curse them, what are they going to get? The curses. That's what's happening here. 
that new covenant provides for them to be identified in Christ and him and them according to the prophetic program. Now, you and I are in Christ today, but we're in Christ according to the mystery program. That's why Paul would say in Romans 15, those before me in Christ. Because you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. Doesn't matter who you are. These guys are in Christ. And that's what 40, 41, 42 is just talking about. The righteous reward, again, it's in Christ. It's that issue of the kingdom. Okay, the ruling and the reigning. What would what would be the loss of his reward? <laughs> Cast out down in a lake of fire. He took on the mark of the beast. These people are identified with Christ. Okay. Now the we didn't kick, hit all the big things in there, but the one of the big ones in there is about don't fear him that can kill the body, but fear him that can kill the soul and the body and hell. That's a big one. You had better be doing what the Lord says to be done, or else you're going to... That overcomer message, you won't have to worry about the second death if you're doing what? If you're maintaining. Then you come to chapter 11, verse 1, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of the commandment, his 12 disciples, commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. And we'll pick up there next time. He's moving on. So we're going to move on. And, and again, he, he's dealing with the 12. Here's our commission. Starts right over here. And it goes all the way out to there, to the kingdom. Starts here, goes all the way out. Here's what you guys are going to be doing. Then Matthew 28 comes in gives an appendix about the kingdom time period, what they're going to be doing. Mark 16 comes in and talks about what you're going to be doing, what they can be doing in the tribulation. Luke 24 Acts 1, Luke 24 fit all back here around the cross and after the cross and everything there. And they deal with and John, on all that, deals right in here. Okay? John 20. They all kind of stack up in there. All right? Those are appendixes. Matthew 10 is the big commission. Here it is. It begins at the earthly ministry, goes all the way out to that kingdom. And it tells them what's coming their way. See, they already know what's coming their way. So when Peter says... Hey, Lord, what do we get? we forsaken all and followed you. What do we get? And everybody goes, see, he's just a selfish, egotistical so-and-so. Uh-uh, he's already been told that if you forget, if you follow me and you forgo everything else, this is what you're going to get. And so they get the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes. They already know. There's nothing hidden from them. And Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man goes to Abraham and says, Hey, send somebody up there and talk to my brethren. They'll believe a guy risen from the dead. Well, they didn't, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, No, they have Moses. Let them read Moses. They have it all. Everything's going to, when they come through here and they get into that 70th week, 
They have their, all the scripture. They've got it all. And they can read about it exactly. That's why Peter warns them in 2 Peter 3 about Paul's epistles and some things hard to understand in those things. Why? Because they have them to read them. They understand what's going on. They can go back and if you got Daniel, let him read, let him understand. They can go back and say, wait a minute, we meant, that wasn't in there, nor was the, the body of Christ and the DOG. We didn't read the... Oh, man, that's Paul. Okay, well, you know, they'll be doing the same thing you and I do and make a chart. And since we always know everything's on the Internet forever, they'll just Google it up and there it'll be. You never know. Okay? And some crazy guys, oh, back there in 2020, that guy was a nut, man. You know? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for the folks, for their patience, for their their desire to, to, to learn and to study, and their patience to, to listen to me. All for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.